Good morning, everyone. Um, I'm going to ask you to be a bit interactive with me today, uh, which is to help you have some sense of what we're going to be talking about later. Sorry, can you not hear even my loud voice? <laughs> it be a bit better, uh, a lot better. So I'm going to ask you to respond, because the idea of this, I know we're all so grown up and mature, and this is the Anglican Church. We can't have any fun here, but I do ask you to join in because it helps us all understand what this morning is about, what we're trying to understand and what Nigel's going to lead us through. So we're going to have a rehearsal. Bear with me here. So when I say fish in the reading, I want us all to then say fresh fish, fish yum. yum. Let's try once more. Fish, fresh, fresh fish, fish Yum! That was better, thank you. And again with nothing, and you'll see one or two of these are later in the reading, so please keep with us. Nothing, absolutely, absolutely nothing. nothing. Nothing, absolutely, absolutely nothing. nothing. So this is a, a reading taken from the end of one of the Gospels, John, and chapter 21, if you want to see uh, the other versions. So this um, starts... Uh, and they're fishing. All night we've been out, groaned, out there, groaned Peter. All night we've been fishing and caught nothing. Absolutely, Absolutely nothing. nothing. Thank you. Absolutely nothing. I've had enough. Make for the shore. The early morning sun was start starting to rise above the mountains. All was still and calm. Until a distant voice from the distant shore, broke the silence. Friends, have you any fish? Fresh, Fresh fish, fish yum. yum! So the angry fisherman, well, this was the last thing Peter needed to hear. So the angry fisherman shouted back, any fish? Fresh, Fresh fish, fish yum. yum! Any fresh fish? Fresh, Fresh fish, fish yum! yum. No, not one little tiddler. Nothing. Absolutely, Absolutely nothing. nothing. Give it a second chance, called the man on the shore. Try casting your nets on the other side of the boat. You'll find some, trust me. So just to prove there was nothing, Absolutely, absolutely nothing, nothing, in the sea to catch, the frustrated disciples hauled their huge nets over the boat and dropped them into the dark, still waters. Suddenly the fish, the sea, began to boil, splashing, jumping, wriggling. Fish! Fresh, fresh fish! fish yum. yum! The nets became filled with fish. Fresh, fresh fish! fish yum. yum! So many they could hardly haul in the nets. It was John who got it first. That's the beloved disciple and he poked Peter in his side. That's no ordinary man on the beach. It is the Lord. It is Jesus. He is risen. Remember, this happened to us before. All those memories flooded back to Peter. Without a word, Peter was out of the boat and in the water, in amongst all those teeming fish. Fresh, Fresh fish. fish. Yum. Yum. Thank you. And wading as fast as his legs would let him, to the stony shore, to Jesus. It was Jesus. It really was. Jesus was alive. 
Come and have breakfast, said Jesus, and bring those fish. Fresh, Fresh fish, yum. You have just caught. There's a fire over there. Let's eat together. As the friends were laughing and singing, eating as much as they wanted and more, Jesus took Peter aside, walking with him, just the two of them. Peter, do you love me? That was his question. Yes, Lord, you know that I love you, Peter answered. Feed my lambs, said Jesus. But he asked Peter again and again, do you love me? Three times Jesus asked him, and three times Peter replied, Yes, Lord, I honestly love you. Three times. There is nothing, absolutely, absolutely nothing, nothing, I wouldn't do for you now. I know I have failed you, and I am so deeply sorry for leaving you. You were right. You knew me so well. I hope you know that deep down, I truly love you. And I want to love you more. Jesus stopped walking and looked at Peter. Follow me. It will be tougher than you can ever imagine. But I will be with you always. My friend, there are new adventures ahead. Follow me, said Jesus. Well, what a great choice to come to Christchurch this morning. Infinitely better than sitting on the, in, on the M5 in a traffic jam, isn't it? And what great timing to come and catch the last in our series on Peter. I want to ask you a question. Have you ever screwed up? Have you ever had to face the music? Have you ever had one of those emails which says you're called to a meeting? Or you've had a phone call which you know means you're being held to account? What have you done? Have you made some terrible mistake? Have you disgraced the company or your family or the people you're with? Is your conduct shameful? Is what you've done unforgivable? How do you face the prospect of that meeting? To say you're anxious or fearful or ashamed is probably an understatement. You feel humiliated, you feel a failure. If it was at work, you probably fear you're getting the sack. I imagine it's how Mitchie Batshuayi felt last Sunday when he came on as a substitute for Chelsea and his first touch of the ball went in the back of his own net. <laughs> imagine it's how Nick Leeson felt when he collapsed Bearings Bank by losing a quarter of a billion of their pounds. It's probably how Chris Hune felt when his wife decided to take revenge on his affair and went public with the fact that she'd taken a speeding ticket for him. Fear, humiliation, judgment. And last week, we left Peter weeping bitterly. He just denied Jesus three times, and then Jesus came across the courtyard in the middle of the night, bound, beaten, and his eyes caught Peter's eyes. And you know it is what it is when somebody catches your eye. And in that split second, Peter was a broken man. But now, a few days later, the unbelievable has happened. Jesus, who was crucified, is now alive. The disciples' despair has turned to joy. But there's an elephant in the room. Could Peter now look Jesus in the eye? 
So in this reading, we're back at the Sea of Galilee, just as we were when Jesus first called Peter. And seven disciples have gone out fishing all night and caught nothing, just as when Jesus first called Peter. And then there's a voice that says, cast your nets on the other side, just as there was when Jesus first called Peter. And suddenly there's a miraculous, almost uncontainable catch of fish, just as when Jesus first called Peter. Do you think this reminded Peter of anything? Do you think it rang any bells? Do you think it's Jesus reminding Peter of his first calling? First time round, I called you to leave your boat and go and make disciples. So, Peter, how's that job going? Looks to me like you're back in the boat again. You know, I remember a charming young lady who worked in an office that my company had just taken over. And on my first visit to the office, the office manager handed me her resignation. I was a bit surprised. I hadn't expected it. So I asked if I could talk to her. And she came into my office and she was physically shaking like a leaf. She'd been having trouble with childcare. And she'd been taking lots and lots of time off. And she feared that the lenient attitude of the old management would now change under new management. So she resigned. I asked her, would it help if you were to work from home rather than the office? To add to her shaking, she then burst into tears. Oh yes, she sobbed. Yeah, that would be great. She'd feared judgment for her poor performance. She hadn't expected help. She hadn't expected a second chance. So I handed her back her resignation letter and I said, do you want to tear this up? Still sobbing, she said, yes, please. Judgment is what you expect when you screw up. But it's not what Peter got. Instead, Peter gets three questions. Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? One question for each time he denied Jesus. He might have expected Jesus to say to him, okay, Peter, but don't you dare do that again. Don't you dare deny me again. Take this as a final warning. But no, there's no hint of recrimination, no hint of judgment. All Peter gets is remarkable signs of acceptance and forgiveness. And then Jesus says this to him, feed my lambs. When Graham read that, feed my lambs, I nearly said, fresh lamb, yum. (laughs) But that's not what Jesus meant. Jesus meant, go and lead my people, feed my lambs. Jesus is the good shepherd and he's passing that responsibility on to Peter. Take over this role. Shepherd my flock, care for my people, build my church. How amazing. Jesus should have chosen the one person who had failed him to then be his leader. Peter may have remembered that Jesus said, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. Peter had undoubtedly been the first and now broken, he's the last. And Jesus takes that brokenness, that humble brokenness, 
and makes Peter first again. He now has a leader who can lead after his own heart. And so it's Peter who, on the day of Pentecost, receives the Holy Spirit and preaches the first evangelistic sermon of the church age. It's Peter who, in that one act, adds more disciples to the church than Jesus had done in his whole ministry. It's Peter, whose name means the rock. It's Peter, who's going to be the rock on which Christ builds his church. It's Peter, who's going to be the author of part of the New Testament. It's Peter, who's going to take up his cross and die as Jesus had done. What gives such a failure the right to be first again? It was this. It was his brokenness and his humility. And Jesus was able to take that and build a new man. And that's what Peter would mean when he wrote later, now for a little while you have to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. But these have come to prove the genuineness of your faith. Peter realised that failure was not defeat, but it was a building block that Christ would use. And now this is a new Peter, a humble Peter, a Peter who's done with self-promotion, a Peter who wants nothing more than to serve the risen Christ. Everything in his life over those few days had gone belly up, but one thing survived. His faith held firm. His faith remained. And so it is that Jesus asks Peter this question, do you love me? This time, he doesn't ask him, do you believe in me? This time, he doesn't ask him, who do you think I am? This time, he says, do you love me? Now, if I asked you this morning, do you believe in God? It's probably quite easy for you to put your hands up and say, oh, yes, I believe in God. But if the question is from Jesus is, do you love me? What's the response then? See, thousands had believed in Jesus, but how many had loved? Do you love me? If we can't answer yes, then we now have no part in God's future. Because what did Jesus say was the greatest commandment? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. And this is what he invites you to do. Not just believe in him, but love him. And if we love him, he simply says this, follow me. These are some of Jesus' final words to Peter. Follow me. There wouldn't be much literal following that Peter could do. In a few days, the ascension would mean that Jesus forever disappears from Peter's sight. But follow me isn't a physical thing. It's the consequence of love. It means that Jesus is where our heart lies. Jesus is our motivation, our direction, our purpose. We want to please him. We want to obey him. And when Jesus said to Peter, follow me, he could well have said, emulate me. Do what I've done. Live as I've lived. Pray as I've prayed. Build God's kingdom as I have done. It's a purpose statement, a vision statement, a mission statement, all in one. Follow me. It's something that defines your life, determines your life, directs your life. You'll no longer be in a self-serving orbit, 
but there'll be a new star at the centre of your universe. Follow me was Jesus' invitation to Peter, and follow me is Jesus' invitation to you. Don't be content in just believing. Don't be satisfied with having a small box in your life called God, which you bring out like a first aid kit in in times of emergencies. Jesus says, follow me, come with me, be part of me. Let me give you new life. Let me give you new hope. There is a second chance. Come, follow me. This for Peter was a new beginning, a second chance. He hadn't earned it. He didn't deserve it. But it's exactly what God offers to you. A second chance, a new beginning. And he asks you that same question he asked Peter. Do you really love me? And he invites you, come, follow me. What's your response this morning to that invitation? Will you answer as Peter answered, yes, Lord, I love you. Yes, Lord, I will follow. Let's pray together.